With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I hope wherever you guys are across this country, across this world, you are having a fantastic Tuesday morning. Probably not the case if you are a Denver Bronco fan because the Patrick Mahomes experience rolled into the Mile High City last night and with a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, Denver Bronco fans were feeling pretty, pretty good until... This ended up happening. This was the final touchdown, and this is what it sounded like on the Chiefs radio network. Halfback Kareem Hunt to that unbalanced side. Trying to squirt free. Left side. Touchdown. Kansas City. A four-yard touchdown run behind the unbalanced line at 139 to go in the game. And the Chiefs take a 26-23 lead. Now, what is so impressive about Patrick Mahomes' performance so far this year is the Chiefs are 4-0 and unquestionably now the best team in the AFC. But they have also won three road games. They've gone on the road against the Chargers, pretty good team, got the win. Went on the road against the Steelers, pretty good historic team, got the win. And now went on the road in the Mile High City against their biggest rival in the division, typically, and got the win. And... Patrick Mahomes made all sorts of plays, including one where he threw with his left hand to listen to this explanation. I was kind of just scrambling left. I felt Vaughn on my back, and I knew I couldn't throw it with my right hand. And I, knew we, I knew we needed the first down, and so I kind of just like shot-putted it to Tyreek, and he, he got the first down and made a great play. I mean, it, it's, I mean you just got to get the ball in their hands somehow. 
I never practice it. We uh, we we have quarterback competitions where we throw crossbar challenges and we play left-handed sometimes. So that's about the the variety of my my practicing that. Uh, I did it a couple times in college, but it was to throw it away. I, I never had thrown it to a receiver. So I mean, it was it, it, it was a cool deal. I'm just glad we got the first down and got the win. Patrick Mahomes, evidently Ed Ogeron's long lost child, uh, there with that accent. I can't figure out whether he's like an alligator hunter in the swamp. A guy who builds a uh, builds like a, I, I don't know like Ferris wheels on the traveling carnival circuit or a rodeo bull rider. What an unbelievable accent from that guy! What an unbelievable start to the season. And we wouldn't be talking as much about Mahomes though if Pat if Case Keenum had hit Demarius Thomas down the sideline with about twenty seconds left in this game. It was a big miss. Case Keenum reflected on that failure. Yeah, the one over DT's head. Yeah, they're playing cover two. You know, at that point, it's kind of, you know, take shots. You know, there's not much time left and, uh, you know, whatever whatever you can do to try to try to take a shot. It was close. I mean, I, I want to watch it on film, but it was, you know, it felt really close. Uh, there's a few, especially, you know, those type plays that, uh, you know, I've, I lose a little sleep over, you know, thinking about laying a night in bed. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's a tough one. It stings. So we're now complete with the first four weeks of the NFL season, and there's an unquestionably top two teams in the NFL. The Rams, who played on Thursday night, Jared Goff's team, best team in the NFC, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Best team in the AFC, beyond a shadow of a doubt, has been the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's go ahead and do top five, bottom five here. By the way, we'll be joined by Petros Papadakis in a little bit. I got to tell you, if you aren't already downloading the podcast, make sure that you do it. We set an all-time record in September, most podcast downloads for this show. I'd like to continue to set records in October. So if we want to do that, the thing we have to do is get you guys to go sign up, download, uh, search out OutKick, search out my name on iTunes, and make sure that you have uh, that you have signed up and you're getting all of these shows sent directly to your phone. But top five, cue the music, boys. Top five in order. I'm going to start at the top because I just told you. I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL right now. NFC's best team, the Rams, I would put them in the Super Bowl. AFC's best team, I would put them in the Super Bowl, by the way, taking place in Atlanta, ATL. I would put the Chiefs in as the best team in the AFC. Rams, Chiefs, top two. Then, I understand people get mad about this. I got the Titans in the three spot. They just beat the defending Super Bowl champions with Carson Wentz in overtime. The week before that, they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had been to the AFC Championship game. So the Titans are 3-1, and one, and they have beaten two of the final four teams in the NFL last season, including the defending Super Bowl champs. I've got the Titans at three. I have got the Jags at four. They lost at home two weeks ago to the Titans 9-6. to six. And I've got the Bengals slotted in at the five spot. Now, you could put the Ravens there. You could make an argument for a bunch of different teams in that uh, in that three, four, five, six, seven range. There are a lot of teams that have been impressive, but not necessarily extraordinary. I took the Dolphins out of my top five after the beatdown that they took uh, from the New England Patriots. Uh, I'm just not really ready to put uh, the Washington Redskins anywhere near the top. They actually lead the NFC East right now. Chicago Bears, uh, you could make an argument for, again, just not really willing to put the Bears there, although they're not that far away from being 4-0 if they hadn't given up that massive lead in week one to uh, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. 
and uh, otherwise Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints. Look, you can make that argument. By the way, let me go ahead and give you all of the division winners right now. Right now, if the season were ending a quarter of the way through, here would be your division champs. All these teams would be hosting home playoff games. Miami Dolphins, Cincinnati Bengals, Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs. In the NFC, Washington Redskins, Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints, and the LA Rams. Those would be your eight division winners who would all be hosting home playoff games. Interesting little factoid, if the season were ending today, be the first time since the year 2000 that the Patriots and the Steelers were both out of the AFC playoffs. Both of those teams would be left out right now. All right, I adjusted my bottom five. I thought I had been a little bit unfair, so I'm starting in the 28th spot. I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. One, two, and one. I'm not buying into what the Steelers are trying to sell me right now. I think they're lucky not to be winless. They should have lost that game against the uh, Cleveland Browns. They uh, very easily could have lost the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers late. So I'm going with the Steelers in 28th spot. In the 29th spot, I have got the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders have been pretty bad, but I have bumped them a little bit not as bad as they were. Followed by them, I got the 49ers. A lot of bad Bay Area football so far this season if you live in the San Francisco area. What do we got? A combined uh, record of 2-6 and six for the Raiders and the 49ers at this point. It's probably going to get worse, certainly, for the 49ers. 31st spot, I have got the Jets. 32nd overall, I have got the Cardinals. I meant to talk to him earlier about this. So that is my top five, bottom five in the NFL. We do it every single Tuesday on Outkick the Coverage. I adjust on the fly every week. We'll see how things look going forward. One little note that's worth jotting down. November 19th, Rams Chiefs right now scheduled to be played in Mexico City. How cool of a game will that be right now scheduled on November 19th, the Rams and the Chiefs to play in Mexico City? That could be a really massive game. All right, uh, my guy Dub, we found out he just bailed. He wasn't, in the, uh, he wasn't in fielding calls on Thursday, Friday, or Monday. Come to find out, I think on Thursday or Friday, I think it was Friday morning, that he just jetted off to Paris and went to the Ryder Cup. Dub, uh, the U.S. got their teeth kicked in. What was the experience like on the court? Uh, of course, was it mostly Europeans or were there a ton of Americans there? What was the vibe like? I think 80-20 would be a kind estimate to uh, Europeans to Americans. I mean, it was a big-time home course advantage for Team Europe. But Did anybody term- talk trash to you because you were an American? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, we gave it back. It was all in good love. Made some good friends over there, Euro- European guys. We had a lot of fun. And, uh, I mean, the atmosphere there, I'm not kidding. It, it, it was by far the coolest sporting event I've ever been to. I mean, so, it was, there's nothing like it. I mean, it was incredible. I don't think of France or certainly the Paris area as a big golfing community. Where yeah, did you I. stay? Like, how did you get that? Like, I'm just kind of curious in general because you so think we, a lot of we, times we, people think about Scotland, they think about England if you're going to talk about European golf courses. I've never thought about golf courses in France as much. What, what was the situation like? The course, so it was, it was right outside of Versailles, which I guess is just south of uh, Paris. So it wasn't like in the near Paris. It was like 30, 40 minutes away from Paris to the south. And uh, I mean, we stayed in a little uh, Airbnb kind of kind of near the course. So it was, it was a pretty easy commute for, for us getting there. 
So what's the vibe like? I've never been to a Ryder Cup. What was the vibe like on the golf course in general? And what would your typical day be? Would you like scout out one hole and stand and watch things there all day? Or did you rotate around the course quite a bit? What was your, uh, what was your preferred viewing strategy? Yeah, we would kind of just go from hole to hole because you try to, there's only five groups a day and there's 10,000 people there. So if you're trying to follow somebody, it's going to be tough getting to see any shots consistently because there's just waves and waves of people following, you know, there's only five groups at a time. So we would go, uh, you know, jump from hole to hole. So we go to, you know, 11, watch there because it, it was nice because around all the greens, it was really hilly. So you got a good downhill view. So you could, you could see if you got a, a decent spot. But the, my favorite spot, which is actually where I was when you guys FaceTimed me on Friday, was 16. It was a par 3. It was a lot of action there. And uh, it, that hole decided a lot of matches throughout the week. So why would you not tell me that you were going to the Ryder Cup? I told I told Danny G like uh, a week and a half ago, because I don't have your phone number or email yet, and I'd let right, Danny but you G know. You, well, first of all, my email address is public. It's claytravis at gmail.com. But Danny, okay, where's Danny G? Danny G, you are told that Dub is going to the Ryder Cup and you don't think you need to tell me that he's going to the Ryder Cup? I don't know. You, I'm, My phone is like yours, Clay. We get so many texts about different things and different people on the show. I paid attention to the dates that he needed off. I didn't pay attention to where he was going until the day before we got on the air, which is why I broke in on Friday and told you that he was there. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you came into the G-Chat, which we have up because we got a bunch of different studios. We got Nashville. We got L.A. We got people moving around all different parts of places. And you came in and you said, I'm going to be out Thursday, Friday, Monday. You put that in the G-chat. And I was like, okay, it seems to me that you would add on, oh, and I'm also going to the Ryder Cup. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something like, if I were going to be out and I was going somewhere (laughs) really cool. Looking back on it, yeah. Looking back on it, maybe you tell the guy whose show you're going to be on that you're going to one of the biggest sporting events of the year overseas in Paris. Like, maybe that's just something to mention. It was a, it was a fun experience though getting to hop on the show on Friday, uh, get to talk a little Ryder Cup with you guys though. I I am impressed that uh, you answered your phone on the FaceTime. That was uh, that was impressive that uh, that you did that. We could have planned it out. It had we that, known that had better. anybody decide like the number of details that I am told that don't matter at all is like 99% of my life. Uh, People tell me things that don't matter at all. They don't impact me in any way, and they feel like I need to know. And then this is actually a positive story that would have been cool for somebody to share, and we could have talked about on the show in advance. But it wouldn't have been as humorous. I think it made for better radio on Friday morning because you truly were surprised on the air. And in listening back to that, Vito and the guys in the production studios in the back, they made an on-air promo out of that immediately because they thought it was so funny. So if we had planned it out, it probably would have been, you know, not not as exciting as suddenly yeah, probably, getting I'm, the FaceTime from Dub on the course. Yeah, I probably would have had a few less Heinekens up to that point, I would, I would think. Yeah, that's probably true, too. I, I would have wished you would have been even drunker, to be honest. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, one thing we need to do, by the way, thanks, Dub, but we're glad to have yeah. you back. we got to cut your paycheck if you can fly to, afford to fly to Europe and go to the Ryder Cup. Uh, we're paying you way too much money. i got to say this. Uh, this Ed Ogeron and Patrick Mahomes comparison has got me just like, <laughs> are we certain that, uh, that Mahomes is not Coach O's illegitimate son? Do we know who actually is Patrick Mahomes' father? Because we need to put together here's – a, here's a homework assignment for you, Danny G. We need to put together a mix of Patrick Mahomes and Ed Ogeron for tomorrow's show and play those guys talking 
and you convince me that th- those guys are not in some way related. <laughs> yeah, the, we don't even got to wait until tomorrow. I can do that before the hour is over. Well, do a, we'll do a good job of it. If you got All it right. for the final segment of the show, we'll do it. We're going to talk to Petros Papadakis. I'll tell you this right now. If you were going to take an airboat tour in a Louisiana swamp and you rolled up and there were a father and a son who were in charge of the airboat. You ever done those airboat tours? Yeah. Oh, the airboat is phenomenal. If you haven't ever gotten on an airboat, like old school, you know, they have the big, uh, they go through the swamps and everything else. I think, are they are they now outlawed some places like in the Everglades? I know that there have been some laws passed in certain states because of how they had been flipping over and there were some fatalities. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. That's not as fun. I thought they were just really loud and bad for the environment. So I think they might have banned some of them in the Everglades. But the airboat tour is phenomenal. Like, if you've ever been to Louisiana, you can go out in the swamps. They haven't banned them in Louisiana. They haven't banned anything in Louisiana. You can do, like, literally they have drive-up daiquiri stands where they just put, you know what, you know what a cl- I'm not kidding about this. You know how they legally allow there to be drive-up liquor daiquiri stands in Louisiana? They put a piece of tape over the straw, and that classifies as a closed container in Louisiana. I'm not even making this up. (laughs) If you are driving around in Louisiana and a cop pulls you over and you have a liquor drink, a daiquiri in like the cup holder beside you, it is considered to be a closed container. It's not an open container if there is a piece of tape that covers your straw. I'm not. People like the rest of the country are like, there's no way that's... No, it's true. So they definitely have airboat tours, and you get outside of like New Orleans just a little bit, and this is exactly what everybody who drives an airboat sound, sounds like. That's what the dad and the son, you know, they sit up in the big chair, and they'll drive you around, and then they'll just pull up. I, I'm not kidding. I've done this multiple times. They'll just pull up, like suddenly come to a screeching, stall, uh, screeching stop, the airboat guy will hop out of his chair, he'll lean over in the airboat, and he'll just grab an alligator and pull it in the boat so you can hold it. I swear to God this happens on every airboat tour I've ever been on. They just stop the airboat, the airboat captain leans over, grabs an alligator, not like a 10-foot alligator, obviously, but like, I don't know, three or four-foot alligator, and will then bring it up so everybody can hold it on the boat. I swear, it's it's one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. They can pick these alligators out in the water. They'll come to a screeching stall, and that's what they sound like. They sound like Coach O and Patrick Mahomes while you're sitting there petting the alligator with you and your kids. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I did an awful job on my top on my bottom five this week. My top five, I'm very confident in. So let me give you my top five NFL teams quickly for those of you waking up across the country. Rams are one. Chiefs are two. Got the massive win last night. Titans three. Jags four. Bengals five. All right. Controversial, maybe three, four, five. Not controversy at all associated with the top two teams, the Rams and the Chiefs, best AFC and NFC team beyond a shadow of a doubt. Bottom five. This is like the third different edit I've done on the bottom five. And so uh, I'm at 28, the Raiders, 29, the Bills. I forgot about the Bills, which may be the biggest indictment of the Bills out there. That I did, They're so irrelevant that I forgot they existed, and so I accidentally left them out of my bottom five. 49ers, Jets, Cardinals. Raiders, Bills, 49ers, Jets, Cardinals. That's the five worst teams 
in the NFL this season. All right, so we heard Patrick Mahomes in his post-game press conference, and I've heard him a few times, and every time I hear him, I think, my God, this guy's voice is a work of art. And several of you said it reminded you of Coach Ed Ogeron at LSU. So we have I put Danny G to work, and I believe he has managed to mix these two uh, so that we think, my, I've got a suggestion out here, that maybe Patrick Mahomes is the illegitimate child of Ed Ogeron. That's the only other person I've ever heard have a voice like Patrick Mahomes. Here's what they sound like side by side. Gave up. Well, we're solving we're going to win the football game. So I kind of just like shot put it to Tyreek. <laughs> Obviously, a very happy football team. Couldn't throw it with my right hand. And I know we won the football game. We're three and zero. That's the reason we came on the plane. We got to do first of all that. I love the Saints go marching in music. This has got to be a longer mix track because I think I could listen to Patrick Mahomes <laughs> going back and forth with Ed Ogeron. Yeah, that's what I just started with while you were talking with Petros. I got the first 15 seconds done there. All right, play that one more All time. Right. Tell me that, that that Patrick Mahomes is not the illegitimate child of Ed Ogeron. I, I'm calling you a dead liar if you're telling me these are not the perfect dead ringers of each other. Let's listen. We never gave up. Well, we're solving. We're going to win the football game. So I kind of just like shot put it to Tyreek. Obviously, a very happy football team. Couldn't throw it with my right hand. And I know we won the football game. We're 3-0. and That's the reason we came on the plane. That is phenomenal. I want like two minutes of a conversation between Coach O and Patrick Mahomes. That is unbelievable. I mean, they are dead ringers for each other. Where is Patrick Mahomes from? Do we know his background? Because we know that, that that Ed Ogeron is from the swamps, like the swamps of uh, Cajun Swamp is in Louisiana. Where is Patrick Mahomes from? Roberto, Do we know? Roberto's I know he's saying he Texas thinks he's Tech. from Texas, yeah. Texas. But is he like from like, you know, like backwoods Cajun, Texas, like it sounds like, uh, like Coach O is? Or is he from like Houston? Because there's a big – I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about – I mean, Patrick Mahomes, because obviously he went to Texas Tech – he played on a five and seven football team at, uh, Dub, at Dub Texas says Tech. Tyler, Texas. Tyler, we're on in Tyler, Texas. Yeah. I don't think that Tyler, Texas is like a. He's got to have some some Louisiana Cajun background somewhere, right? I mean, there's just no. We got. I need to do. I'm going to do so much research on this. I promise you, that's an incredible 15 seconds you did. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Danny G, you were at the Raiders game and you heard people talking about my book down in the, uh, well, tell me your story. I don't know the whole story here. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to hear people talk about our radio program. And obviously I was standing in the background, so they didn't know that there were listening airs, but uh it was two Raider officials who were walking around with general manager Reggie McKenzie, and the subject of Dan Patrick's radio show came up. So they were talking about the DP show, and one of them said, yeah, you know, I wake up early, and, and I, I go to the gym, and that's when I listen to uh, Clay Travis on the game, and then after that, I stream the Dan Patrick show. And then the other guy was like, yeah, man, that Clay Travis guy came out of nowhere. And he's like, yeah, and in his book, he's got a book now. And the other guy said, you know, the thing is, I, I like him, but I can only take like 30 minutes of his show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, so I thought... And they had no idea. No. They had no idea you were working on the show. You're just eavesdropping there. Right. I mean, because I did have to have a media pass and it said Fox Sports Radio on it, but obviously it doesn't say what show you're working with or anything like that. And, you know, you learn early on in radio that uh, word of mouth is the best promotion. So when you meet folks, you 
could tell them about the radio show and make sure they're listening. Um, and before I forget, by the way, a couple of Coliseum employees who listen to the show every morning on our affiliate 95.7 The Game, Walter and Selma. I told them both I would give them shout-outs. They listen to OutKick every morning uh, up in Oakland. Uh, it was really cool to hear those two Raider officials talking about the Dan Patrick show and OutKick the coverage. And then so my job there was I was going to get a post-game interview from the winning locker room for our weekend show, which was Brady Quinn and Jonas Knox. So I go down to the locker room, and the first dude who comes up to me is Marshawn Lynch. And I'm standing there, and, my, and the first words out of his mouth, I kid you not, was, what up? Bleep. <laughs> the N-word. And he, out of all the players, he by far was the coolest. He was walking around. Now, he won't go on the air with anybody, and he won't officially do an interview, but he had the best personality out of all the Raider players down there. And so I had to work hard for the one interview I got for the network, and it turned out to be really good. Mr. Pick 6 from the Ohio State, Gary on Conley, who we talked about a lot on this show a couple of years ago when the Raiders used that first-round draft pick on him, even though he had that controversy swarming around him at the time coming out of college. He was really good on the air. They played Brent Musburger's pick six uh, play-by-play call for him during the interview. And he said afterwards, and and I, this kind of scared me because he's on my cell phone live on Fox Sports Radio. And I hear Conley say, oh, bling. Yeah, Shih Tzu. He dropped, a, he dropped a, a word he can't say when he was live on the network. They spent a good five minutes with him. And afterwards, he was really happy. And Marshawn Lynch then came over to me and he was like, oh, man, you got Gary on to go on the air with you? He doesn't talk to nobody. And he called me the N-word again. And so it was It was really funny because he's kind of like the court jester in their locker room. He was just walking around, stirring things up. He, he told me Derek Carr would not talk to me. He's like, Carr ain't going to talk to you. And uh, so, yeah, Marshawn was a, was a clown, but in a good way. It was fun being around him. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We've got Charles Davis on with us now at CFD22, the voice of Madden, as my kids would describe him. Bring him in now. He had a heck of a good game. There were a lot of good NFL games this past weekend. He was calling the Dallas-Detroit game. Uh, are the What was your takeaway when you finished that game? Uh, are the Cowboys a legit NFC East contenders, or was this game kind of a blip up and when they go against the Texans next week, do you expect them to kind of cycle back down? What uh, what kind of read do you have on the Cowboys at this point? Hey, good morning, Clay. I think that they're a legit contender in the NFC East because the East seems to be cannibalization this year. You know, we all expected the Eagles to actually be in many ways better, but injuries and, of course, being the defending Super Bowl champs where you get everyone's best shot. Um, Wentz not being able to start the season, you know, the receivers hurt. That's kind of conspired to bring them back to the pack a little bit. They've got a couple losses on their schedule, on their record now that I don't think that we could have really seen in preseason. The loss at Tampa, and I think the losses past week in Tennessee. So they're they're good. they're kind of sitting there, and we'll see if anyone elevates. Washington played so well their last time out before an open week when they beat Green Bay, and of course the Cowboys winning this week. And you know we'll just see how this whole thing plays out. The Giants. They're the ones that you're just wondering about, and I've got them this week in Carolina. But I think Dallas is a contender, Clay, in, in, in the East, and here's why. Defense, 
remember it wasn't too many years ago we just talked about how horrible the defense always was. It's not that way anymore. They can rush the passer. When they get Sean Lee back, they'll be really strong at linebacker. I think the rookie Leighton Vander Esch is a heck of a player. Um, Jalen Smith, is, is his remarkable story continues on, and he plays at a higher level each and every week. And a young secondary that's growing and getting better. And offensively, if they stay, to, stay true to who they are, and Dak Prescott can convert some third downs, which he did on Sunday, they'll be okay. Because they're going to run Zeke like crazy. Got to. But, but the only way to keep it really rolling, Clay, is if Dak can convert on third down. Because Zeke's not going to pick up first downs with three runs every, every, every drive. You've got to be able to throw it at some point, and they throw it better Sunday. How good is Patrick Mahomes? Boy, he's really good. And he's better than – look, I'm never going to speak about my peers – and about myself in terms of evaluation, because evaluation in some cases is, is almost a crapshoot. I still remember Brian Billick telling me years ago, and every time he sees me, he says, remember what I told you? He said, evaluating quarterbacks, he said, we do it up, down, sideways, backwards, forwards. We do it every possible angle, and you're almost at a close your eyes, throw it at the dartboard. It's almost a 50-50. He said, that's almost how it breaks down, and I just don't think he's wrong. And Mahomes coming out, we all liked his arm. Um, I think we liked his athleticism. We liked, you know, his potential. There were a few knocks along the way. His team had a losing record when he was a starting quarterback, which sometimes we can overplay. But he also had such a live arm play that he took a lot of chances in college. Well, I think he looked, took a lot of chances because he knew he needed to make plays to beat better teams they, they played against. They were competitive, but they didn't, very, they didn't beat very many good teams. And since he's gotten to the NFL and started this season, we're seeing all the good that we saw of him coming out. And I'm seeing almost none of the bad. I don't see the wilder throws that I saw in college. I, see, I do see a guy who takes measure with the football now, and that's a really big thing. And I don't know that any of us really truly understood the ice water in his veins. His, his, those two drives last night to finish things off, those were awfully impressive. He is really, really good. And I expect him to continue to get better. Now, he'll have some bumps. Every quarterback does. But last night was a mini bump, and he got through that one. He'll have some bigger ones. But, boy, they've got to be believing in Kansas City and Mahomes. The 30-yard conversion and the left-hand throw. I mean, <laughs> 30-yard conversion was on third and seven. Yeah. That was a third I mean, and seven play. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, that that often happens in in the NFL, it seems to me, and certainly this happens in college to a certain extent, but college, it seems to me, is a lot more like backyard football in that sometimes you just have a guy who's a lot more athletic than everybody else, like Johnny Manziel <laughs> or whatever, and he just kind of draws up a play in the dirt and then it works. Uh, in the NFL, sometimes everything just falls apart, and we see Aaron Rodgers do this, right? I mean, and right. what, what sort of the effervescence with which he plays the game? He he, the, the, everything has fallen apart, and he just relies on his incredible arm talent uh, and his escapability to make plays. Uh, year after year after year, we've seen it. Patrick Mahomes obviously has a cannon, one of the biggest arms we've seen in the NFL in a long time. But I think maybe the aspect of his game that's underrated is his ability to uh, to make plays even as things are falling apart around him, and also his athleticism with his legs, which uh, which I think a lot of fans are just learning about now because the arm, oh, he can throw the ball seventy five yards, or he can throw the ball eighty yards in the air, whatever he does, is just now starting to catch up with how talented he is elsewhere. Yeah, it's a great point, absolutely great point, and and when you go back now. And play, let's say we, let's say you and I went back and punched up tape of Texas Tech 
when he was playing there. And let's say we punched up against some of the better opponents they played. I think what we would find, because I, you know, I'm running it through my my cabeza right now. You would find that he did a great number of those things at Texas Tech, but your point is so well taken. What we always ended up talking about at the end of those plays was, did you see what he just did? Did you see the throw? Right? The throw would be 60, 70 yards, you know, cross field, you know, that sort of thing. And we would skip the part about he kept that play alive. He extended the play. He did all of those things. And you're right, in college, sometimes you have a player who's just a little bit better than everyone else. Just like when we were kids and we were in the backyard and you played that game of keep away where you, you know, whoever had the ball kept it as long as they could until they were finally tackled and the next person took it. And it was just one of the dumbest games ever, but we all played it. Yes. And in my backyard, there's a young lady by the name of Lisa Yapel that no one could ever catch. She was the better athlete than the rest of us. So so if, if you're hearing our voices, when you played that game, who was that athlete? Patrick Mahomes was probably that athlete in his backyard. No, that's that's uh, that's very well said. It's a ways away, but right now it seems to me that the two best teams through a quarter of the season, by maybe a pretty substantial margin, if you just put in everything into the equation, are the Rams and the Chiefs. They are scheduled, by the way, to play a game on November nineteenth on Monday Night Football in Mexico City. In Mexico, <laughs> yeah, oh, which would be an incredible game. But in your mind, right now, is there any doubt about the Rams and the Chiefs as the best teams of the NFC and the AFC, respectively? No, they're setting the pace, and the Rams. I'm looking forward to them getting a challenge, like the Chiefs got last night. And I know everyone who's listening say, hold up a second. They got challenged big time by Minnesota. And they did. I don't disagree. But they also played from the front in that game. See, the Chiefs last night had to come from off the pace to get it done. I have no doubt in my mind the Rams can come off the pace and get it done. But that's when you really grow as a team. And that's when you, you, have your, you set yourself up for playoff success. Because you have to have had a few moments along the way that you can kind of refer back to, like, hey, guys, we've been here before. We've done this. Those front-running teams that just beat people down all the way through. Clay, how many times in our lifetime have we watched those juggernauts and then they get into that one game, and it's oftentimes it's a championship game, and all of a sudden they're like, hold a second, we haven't been here before. What are we doing? And it might not turn out as well. I mean, it's real simple. I mean, you can go back in your mind. You can think of them and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You remember that Nebraska team that lost to Miami in the national championship when they went for two? I don't know that they were behind all year, <laughs> you know? Or, or the Patriots 18-0 team certainly right. is one that immediately comes to mind for a lot of people. They lose to the Giants. They had a couple of close games, but I think uh, the fact that they, were, that they were even in a tight game there kind of stunned them beyond belief. When you look at uh, at the overall NFL landscape through four games, I said in my open, it seems like the NFL's got its groove back. The games yeah. are going really entertaining in a really entertaining fashion. There's almost no discussion about off the field, unless it's good off the field drama for the right. NFL, by which I mean, oh, is Le'Veon Bell going to come back? Can you believe what somebody's tweet said? It's almost all related in some way to competition itself. Do you get that sense when you're calling the game that the NFL, after a couple of years stumble, may finally be returning to just being a football game, being football entertainment again? Absolutely. And I think it's a huge sigh of relief for most people. And I don't care which side of the spectrum you fall on. There are a good number of people who have their issues with the NFL that I would sit down and listen to and not dispute. 
like, I don't like it for this, 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 and this, and here's what's bothering me, this, 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 and this. And most of those people, Clay, that I that, that had those issues with the NFL, they, you know, some of them would say, well, I'm not going back. You know, I'm done with the NFL. And most of them were really saying, I just want to find a reason to love the NFL again. Give it to yeah. me. And this field, this season feels like they're giving it to the people again in so many different ways. Look, the anthem thing, we're not discussing it right now. I think we're essentially down to Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson with Miami that, that we're discussing, and it's not even much of a discussion. I think that the Kenny Stills, when you talk about what he's done in his community and everything else, there's, a, there's almost a, hey, he's kneeling, but look at all these other things he's doing. But we're just not talking about it. And then the games have been extremely compelling. What do we had six overtime games already? We go down to the wire on Monday Night Football again last night. Those things are really helping. When we're able to put it back on the field, it takes away from just about everything else, and that's a good thing for the NFL. But I think you're right. The mojo's there for the league, and let's hope that it continues. What do you think about the Frank Wright? We, I, I obviously am in love with Mike Vrabel. I live here in Nashville. Yeah. What Vrabel has done the last three weeks, three straight wins as an underdog. This team seems to love him. Saying, hey, we're not going to attempt the field goal and go for the tie against the Eagles. It was an incredible game in overtime. Came down to Marcus Mariota throwing a touchdown pass with 18 seconds left. Vrabel wins. Everybody says he's a genius. What did you think about the Frank Reich decision in Indianapolis in that game? My thought in general was it was a context of the time that was left on the clock. Um, It would have been hard even if they had gotten that first down potentially for them to get into a field goal uh, kind of range, Uh, whereas they basically gave the Texans an opportunity there. You're a coach. You're making that decision. What would your analysis of the Frank Wright decision have been? Well, I, I thought he was being a little overly aggressive there because of where he was and all the things you point out, especially where he was on the field. And what do we always talk about? When you make a decision, you often have to have the context of what if your decision goes opposite of what, what you're trying to accomplish? What, what's the fallout? And the fallout there was you're really kind of setting themselves up, setting them up for a pretty easy shot at a field goal. And, and that's actually what happened. But here's the flip side of it all. Brand new head coach. You know what it's like, Clay. You're trying to gain the trust of your team. You're trying to get your team to buy into you. All those buzzwords and phrases that we use all the time. And I don't think that Frank Reich has much of a problem with that with his team. But I think he also has told his team we're going to be aggressive, similar to what Mike Vrabel's doing, and he wanted to prove it to them. So it may be a loss there, but I doubt that his team has lost confidence in him as a head coach because this is a team that's going to scuffle for wins all year long, and he was trying to get them one. I think and ultimately probably not the right call. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I would have would have stood up in the announcer's booth and gone, hey, great idea. I, I might have been on the opposite side. But I'm not going to ding him forever for that one either. I think it may pay dividends for him down the road. Mike Vrabel, who you brought up, remember after the season opener, you were wondering, okay, what's going on with this? Oh, this, I was, this I was, team, uh, right? I feel I you'll you'll appreciate this. Yeah, I feel right now about Mike Vrabel like I did about Bruce Pearl at Tennessee for basketball. By which ah. I mean, look, I'm an unabashed Tennessee University of Tennessee fan, unabashed yeah. Tennessee Titan fan, and it's rare you have a coach who you what I say is like if somebody tried to take it tried to shoot him I would secret service dive in front of him and take a bullet <laughs> in advance right um, and so uh, and so I loved every I still love Bruce Pearl I love everything about yeah. what he's done for his entirety but you come in after just a long malaise I would say where you're just like man there's no reason to be excited or energetic about this program or about this team 
and he immediately flips a switch and everything changes. And I see a little bit of Mike Vrabel uh, in yeah. Bruce Pearl in the same way that I felt. Well, well, well. to your point on that, Mike Vrabel has been telling his team, and he really told them in this one because they're playing the defending Super Bowl champs, we're going after them. We're going to be aggressive. I, I don't know what kind of speech he gave, but it almost felt like Herb Brooks talking to his team in the, in the locker room. And it wasn't before the game against the Russians. But during a practice session, when he said, but there's a way to beat them, you don't defend them, you attack them, right? You remember that scene? Yes. He's like, you yes. got to attack them. And he told his team that if we were going to be aggressive, we're going to do that. And then he, as the head coach, had to symbolize that. And I, I loved his explanation post game when he ran the field goal unit. I said, we were never going to kick the field goal. And my team knew that. But we were going to show this, and then we came out, and we went for it, and it worked out. And I just love that approach. And I think Frank Reich is probably trying to do something similar in Indianapolis. His result's probably in the wrong spot. But I'm not dinging him for giving it a, giving it a try. Because if you ask anyone preseason, is Indianapolis a contender? You've got a resounding no. And he's trying to build a program there. You have got Giants-Panthers coming up. The Panthers coming off a of bye week. The Giants sitting at 1-3. and three. We mentioned the NFC East earlier and what exactly was going to help happen in that division. Is Cam back? Uh, because it, it wasn't too long ago, Cam yeah. Newton and the Carolina Panthers were going up against the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning, and the, and the Panthers were nearly a touchdown favored in that game. And everybody was talking about Cam as the reigning league MVP and the face of the NFL for years to come. And the last couple of years have been a real struggle for him. Do you think the Panthers are back to being that upper echelon team? Can Cam play at maybe not exactly the MVP caliber, but can he demonstrate that he is an upper echelon quarterback as well in this league? I say yes from what I've seen on a three-game sample, and I think it's got a chance to keep getting better. And you remember when Norv Turner was hired as offensive coordinator, there's a lot of head scratching and people going, what? What? North Turner, Cam Newton, don't see that at all. And that's because we get very stuck in this is what this coach did before and this is who he had playing quarterbacks for him. I mean, you're not going to run Troy Aikman like you're going to run Cam. I mean, that's just stupid. But everybody seems to, you know, I'm saying everybody. There's a lot of discussion that Norv wouldn't be able to change, quote unquote, and Cam wouldn't be able to change. And I said right from the beginning, I said, if these two meet halfway, which I actually expected them to do because Cam is now in his eighth year, they've got a chance to be successful. Now, did I say that there's going to be this, this, and no, I just said they have to meet halfway, meaning Norv can't just, you know, chain him to the pocket, and Cam can't just say, I'm going to run it and run around and do all this other stuff. He had to hit the check downs. Do all that. Well, he's doing all of that. He's like a 65%, 66% throwing the football. Cam's a career 58 59% thrower. So he's doing more of the stuff Norv's asking. And in return, Norv has kept the quarterback run game in effect with that offense. And I think that's paying him great dividends. And last but not least, I said it before the draft. I'm going to say it again now. I screamed it from the rooftops, and I'm not sure everyone heard me. But hear me now and hear me one more time. Christian McCaffrey can run inside. Okay, if I act like he can't run between the tackles. He could at Stanford. I was confident he couldn't approach. He's doing it now, and he's catching 10 passes a game. Give it to him. Last question for you. I want to go back to college football, and we're talking to Charles Davis at CFD 22. Alabama or the field, who would you take after five weeks of college football to win the national championship? Even as a Tennessee guy, I know it pains you, but I bet your answer is going to be Bama. Yeah, it is Bama. 
It, it is, and, it's, and it feels like Tiger Woods in his prime. That it's not a stupid bet because any other time, you I mean you could you'd have to educate me more on the betting game, Clay. But I'm yeah. guessing that it's it's a stupid bet anytime you don't take the field. You know, Almost in like 99 percent of the situations, right? But Tiger Woods in his prime, I took Tiger Woods. Okay, Bama right now this season in this sample we've seen. I'm taking Bama. Does it mean they won't get challenged? No, they'll get challenged along the way. It's college football. You remember last year, they were an injury or two into the Auburn game where they got more than challenged. They got beat. Then they had a chance to heal up and get rested for the playoffs, and they found a way through again. So that's how this whole thing works. We get it. But if you're asking me right now, give me Bama because Tua and Jalen Hurts can carry them a long way, just not in a game that requires big-time throws to win games. That's just not Jalen's game. But everything else, he's got it. Tua, of course he can do it all. Outstanding stuff as always. Charles Davis, we will talk to you next week. Enjoy that game. Uh, We'll watch Giants and Panthers. Many of us will. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.